our scripture today. I hope I read the right one. Our scripture today comes from the book of Mark, the fifth chapter. I'm going to begin at verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors, and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered. And yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was in Walmart the other day, um, not, not one in, nearby, I was out of town, and I was, I was walking through Walmart looking for something in particular, and as I went through the aisles, because I didn't, they hide things, I, I, or, or move them, and they're different from every, anyway, you get the idea. I'm wandering around, and, and there is a mother holding a baby who is not happy, and another child who is independent. Let's go with that word. And um, the baby is crying, and, and, and the child, the other child wants everything in the cart, especially something from six aisles over. And, and mom clearly didn't have a lot of parenting skills, or maybe she'd just run out of parenting patience. It was just not a good moment for anybody. But what I noticed is, as we walked around, what I noticed is that as, as we walked around, people would do this as they passed by. Just stare at their phone and, and keep going. Now, now, I know I should have been the one, and, or some of, one of us should have been the one to say, can I help you? Can I, can I hold your baby while you deal with the other child? But, but what mother in their right mind in a Walmart is going to go, oh, sure. Here you go. Take this one. I'll wander off and find the other one. It's not likely to happen. But, but it does occur to me, what in the world did we do before cell phones so we could ignore what's going on around us? What do we do before cell phones so that we could, could pretend we don't see what's happening to the people around us, because surely that's, that's what happens. So many just passing along and ignoring what is around. 
we're doing this neighborly series and, and, and we're going to talk this week about our local neighbors, the people near us. And next week we'll talk about what does it mean to love your neighbor from a global sense. And then Advent is right around the corner. In case you missed it, Christmas is coming. Just fair warning. How can we love our neighbor and how can we do so intentionally? And how do we love our neighbor when we so intentionally ignore them? It's a recurring theme for me, I know, but, but I live with this vision that, that, uh, that when I pray that prayer, when I pray the Lord's Prayer and I say that part on earth as, as it is in heaven, that that means that I, I hope for, I long for, and I'm willing to work for heaven on earth. I think that's what we're supposed to do. When Jesus gives us a vision of what heaven on earth will look like, he invites us to love God and love our neighbor. That's what heaven will look like. But, but here's the odd thing. Jesus um, says to us that the kingdom of heaven is here. But we know in the book of Revelation, it's, it's yet to come. The reality is that heaven has come to those of us who have accepted Christ, who have decided to follow Christ. Heaven is in the here and now, and we're called on to live it as if it is. To live out heaven now. So the question is, who is your neighbor? Now when Jesus answers the question, it suggests everybody. What about you? Who is your neighbor? And is it everybody? It's really a prominent focus of Scripture, this idea of loving your neighbor. It's not Jesus didn't make this up just at that moment. It's actually Jesus is quoting the Old Testament when he says those words. You remember uh, not too long ago, there was somebody that was buying billboard space and putting, putting funny, sometimes funny, sometimes poignant Christian lines up there. And, and one, of them, one of them said in, in quotes, it said, that love thy neighbor thing, I meant that, signed God. I meant that. The scripture from today doesn't, doesn't really seem to lend itself to the idea of loving your neighbor, but let's look at it closely and as we do, um, when we read scripture, it's important to look at it and say, who are the people involved and how am I like them? Each, each character. And how am I different from them? And, and how do I react to them? Just, just in the experience of reading, how do, how do I react to them? And maybe how am I supposed to react to them? Where is God in the story? And in this case, since, since Jesus is in this particular story, we see God through Jesus Christ. And, and where is Jesus in this story? How does he act? What does he say? What does he do? And of course, then, as those who are meant to follow Jesus Christ, how do we, in kind, do the same? What is God calling me to do because of the story? Yeah, most of us are not called to perform miracles. Most of us, I feel pretty confident in saying that, most of us don't have that gift of, of performing miracles as Jesus went to perform miracles. Most of us don't have that gift. But, you know, I do believe that the greatest miracle in the Bible, I mean, it, we have all of the other, you know, special miracles. The birth of Christ is pretty much a miracle. But 
the greatest miracle in the Bible is the change of a human heart. To go from, from who we have been to become who Christ calls us to be. That's the greatest miracle. You know why? Because God has no control over that other than to present it to you. You get to decide whether you're going to commit yourself to Christ or not. Whether you're going to open your life to the Spirit of God moving in you and moving through you into the lives of others. That's the great miracle when lives are changed. So we look at this scripture and we wonder about loving our neighbor. And, and, and part of this scripture is Jairus. Jairus, he's, he's the, the, one of the central figures in that town. He's, he's one of the heads of the synagogue, which means he's a VIP. He's, he's, he's somebody that people look to. When you're the head of the synagogue back in that day, you're also the head of local governance. It's not just a religious position. It's a civil position as well. And he cries out for help. Because his daughter is sick and dying. And Jesus hears this and responds. He didn't say, look, that's just not on my schedule today. I, I was looking and going, nope, uh, it's not on my Google calendar today. So I, I just don't have time. He didn't say, you know, when you borrowed my ladder last month, you, I never have returned it. His neighbor needed help and Jesus stopped. Stopped what he was doing and went to help. So for me, as I look at the scripture and try to draw a lesson out of it, lesson number one is Jesus is open to your interruption. Too many people say, I don't want to bother someone else with my problems. I don't, I don't want to bother God with my small prayer. Anytime you break into God's day with a prayer, it's welcome. And God's attentive. No issue is too small, so pray. On the flip side of that, where we enter in, though, it's important for us to recognize that as those who are called to be Christ to the world, our, neighbor, our neighbor's interruption deserves our full attention. Even when she has crying kids in Walmart. So Jesus goes with Jairus. It's an emergency. Time is of the essence. And he walks through the, the neighborhood on the way to the man's house. And word has spread that he is there and a crowd has gathered and they're pressing in upon him. And, and with, with uh, miracle workers and rabbis and teachers of that day, it would be common for, for somebody just to want to touch them. Just to lay a hand on their shoulder. The idea that you, you touch the, the holy person means that you receive a blessing. So the idea that she would just want to touch his cloak is not out of the norm. But that crowd is pressed in and, and then something unexpected happens. The, the, woman, the woman reaches out and she touches Jesus and, and tries to sneak away. Why? Because, well, in the book of Leviticus, a, a, a woman in her condition wouldn't even be allowed in a place of worship. Wouldn't be allowed to touch a holy person. Wouldn't be allowed in the crowd. She was, she was anonymous to her neighbors because they wanted it that way. They didn't see her. 
And, and Jesus stops and says, who touched me? And, and Peter probably was one of the disciples right there. He was always at Jesus' side. And Peter probably said something like, are you kidding me? I know scripture doesn't put it that way, but are you kidding me? How can you ask this question? Look at all the people around who touched you. But Jesus wasn't going to let it go. Why? Because Jesus is open to your interruption. Think about it for yourself. Is this something you would do in the, in the middle of your busy day? Do you halt things to care for the interruption? Jesus stopped to deal with the interruption. What is it they say life happens on our way to do something else? Someone needed him. And he needed to know who. And this woman with, with no known cures, though she had tried, she had spent all of her money she had endured all manner of painful and probably shameful attempts at a cure by physicians who in that day were borderline witchcraft. She also would have been unwelcome in the synagogue, as I mentioned. To the community, she was invisible. And to be out among the community was wrong. As a matter of fact, touching Jesus as she had may have, been, may have warranted stoning to death. But Jesus ignores the propriety and seeks her out. This unclean, unseen woman has interrupted his day and he won't let it go unnoticed. So lesson number two is there is no one too important or too unimportant in Jesus's worldview. When the Bible talks about the poorest in our midst, it's often put this way. If you read through the scripture, you hear it often, orphans and widows. In preparing for the sermon, I, I found out, I didn't know this last week, but I found out last week was Orphan Sunday. I didn't even know there was such a thing. But last week was Orphan Sunday. Did you know approximately 950 children are in foster care on any given day in St. Louis County? I'm talking St. Louis County. Not city, not St. Charles. That's just St. Louis County. 13.5% of children under the age of 18 who live in St. Louis County live in poverty the widows and the orphans. And when I visit nursing homes, I often will, will see elderly that I wonder if they go unnoticed. We have this, this ministry where, where on, on Sunday morning, um, we go at, to, to Gambrel Gardens, that, that retirement community. And I, Gambrel Gardens has a lot of activity, and I know there's a lot of things going on that people can get engaged in, but I wonder how many people at Gambrel go unnoticed. That's why I'm passionate about Gambrel in worship. We notice you. Passionate about us taking our worship service to them. We go and set up and they, they, they watch the, the nine o'clock service. They're not unimportant or invisible either. I think you could spend all of, all of our effort uh, with the orphans and, and, and wid widows uh, uh, or children and the elderly in our community, and you'd be right on target with what Jesus wants us to do as a church. But you know, I'm not just talking about a church ministry here. Do you know who lives next door to you? 
Do you know your neighbor to the right and to the left, to the front and to the back? Have you gotten to know them? Have you gotten to know their hopes and fears, their concerns and issues? This brings us to that third lesson. This woman is, is called out by Jesus to admit why she touched him. She needed his help. Jairus came to Jesus and fell to his knees. He needed Jesus' help. And in, in, in asking for Jesus' help, he legitimized Jesus' ministry. That was a big deal, too. But his daughter was dying. They both needed his help. So that third lesson is we all need help from time to time. So ask. So ask. It's so important for, for those of us who, who, who are people of faith to step forward and say, I'm not perfect, I need help. Why is it so important? Because if, if others see us doing that, they'll step forward as well. And we have an opportunity to care, to love our neighbor in some real way, to love our neighbor locally or globally is to live as Christ lived. It's to have Christ's worldview. And in so doing, it opens up the possibility that somebody in need will step forward. I was uh, pulled in the gas station just the other day. Um, I was thankful that gas prices had dropped a little bit because my truck is thirsty. And, and um, I, I pulled in and I started gassing it up and, and um, I'm, I'm standing on one side of my truck and then there's a set of pumps and, and there's a woman that had pulled in. I couldn't see her. I just, she had pulled in and she was pumping her gas and a truck comes, pulls in and a guy gets out of the truck and starts screaming at her and she screamed back. I finished pumping my gas and, and I went inside and uh, got a Diet Coke and I came back out and screaming was still happening. And so I got in my truck and I pulled around to where they were and wound down my window and noticed how really big the guy was. <laughs> that brings me to lesson number four. We're not all called to die for Jesus. But I do believe that Christians are called to selfless acts that sometimes make us look heroic. That we're all called to, to, to stand on tough issues and to insert ourselves into people's lives. At least in a, in a manner that illustrates how valuable they are. To make sure that everybody knows that they're seen. And more than that, welcomed into the family of God. However, thankfully, we're not all called to die for our faith. But don't forget that, that when Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me, it's not the safest, most self-protective move we can make. <laughs> thankfully to me, they, uh, they quit their arguing at that point, and he got in his truck and left. Otherwise, I would have just had to do this. Amen and amen. Amen.